When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take on your etiquette questions about sneaky yet kind guests, saying no to self-invitations, serving decaf or regular coffee after dinner, reaching out with a sympathy note, and how pits are the pits and what to do with them. All that plus your feedback, etiquette salute, and a Postscript segment on the power of surprises from Peter Post's book, Essential Manners for Couples. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. Hi, and I'm Peter Post. I'm sitting in for Dan Post sending today. <laughs> hey, Dad, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. I've wanted to be here for a long time. I, I kept watching my brother get to do it. <laughs> I didn't get to do it. So come on, you know, really, when do I get on? So I am so thrilled to have you here with me today. For those that out there that haven't read every page of all of our books, my very first book, my dedication is to my dad. And it was a very special book for me because it was you giving me the opportunity to step into this business. And that was, um, sorry, don't mean to get choked up. That (laughs) was like really big in my life. My dad has always really been my idol. So to get to co-host the show with him is kind of a really big deal. This is, this project's maybe, okay, I'm going to stop because we're both like, we're both tearing up. All right, dad, tell our audience a little bit about you and your role at EPI because I came into EPI in my twenties. You had a whole career. I grew up with a dad who was an entrepreneur. Yeah, I, I ran an advertising agency here in Burlington, Vermont. Tell them for, what it's called. It's called Postscript. <laughs> That's um, what our segment is named after. <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, I, I ran that for about 20 years, 15, 20 years. And um, in 1995, my mother, your grandmother, yeah. Elizabeth, who had been doing etiquette for 30 years yeah. uh, as the follow-up to Emily herself, uh, said one day, that's it, I'm done, and turned it over to my brothers and sister and I, and she'd been grooming Peggy yes. to be her replacement. And so we started sort of just figuring out what on earth are we going to do with this thing? Yeah. And we did a big brand study, and we tried to figure out sort of where etiquette could go, and we realized that probably the best place etiquette could go yeah. was business etiquette. Oh. That At that time, there was a lot of incivility in business. There's a lot of articles about it, and we thought that was that was an opening for us. Let's Let's do that. But the problem was that Peggy was pretty well maxed out on doing weddings and general etiquette. And we needed somebody sort of to take on this idea of yeah. business etiquette. And, well, my brothers and sister, <laughs> they pointed their finger at me and said, you do it. Life of and, the youngest. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try sort of in my spare time. I'll do it, right? Right. <laughs> While you're running your other company. Yeah. Okay. And um, we did it. We, we, you know, we did the book. book yeah. came out. And all of a sudden, I discovered I was... On television, on radio, doing newspaper interviews. You sought after and, author. And an author. And that became my full-time job. Yeah. And so that's really, that's really how I got into it was right through the business book and then becoming spokesperson for Emily Post. And we really figured out then that you could have more than one spokesperson. You can be on and Dan can be on and I can be on. We can all do it as long as we have this connection to Emily. Which is some kind of funny because, you know, a lot of people say what's well, in your genes or something. And, and realistically, it is that connection to Emily Post that just makes such a difference. It and, does. And yeah. um, it's been a wonderful thing as a result of that. <laughs> so in 2003, I did a, a, a book called Essential Manners for Men, which came out in October and by Christmas had hit the New York Times bestseller list. Like, I don't think Emily's etiquette book ever hit the bestseller yeah. list. I mean, it no. was a bestseller, but it never hit the list. I don't you know hit that, the list. Yeah, this was a big deal. 
and um, well, you had think a about lot the of fun. Timing. It was a lot of fun. Think about the timing. Exactly. You had a lot of men's makeover shows out there. Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was a massive hit. This idea of looking at men, celebrating men, and celebrating um, oddly enough the ways that men could improve that I, I think is like I, I'm delicate in, in categorizing no, you're, you're, you're it that right. way, but it became kind of a fascination for sure. a minute. And I was really lucky to be able to ride that wave. Yeah. And we did for, for two months, three months. It was terrific. Yeah. And at the same time, I also started doing seminars and we began a train the trainer program. And really, those are the things that have consumed my time since and, yeah. and been a director and a managing director and the CEO and I don't know, a billion other titles. But my, but... my boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah. And, and now, now, um, you're my boss. That's true. <laughs> it's been amazing how you've taken the business and you gave it a, a fresh perspective and a new life within the seminar and training world. And I feel like Dan and I are giving it a new life in the podcasting and sort of relating to the individual world. And I think that altogether, I'm really hoping that, that Emily Post is just still going to carry on through it all. Our goal always has been, right from the time yeah. Emily started, how do we disseminate and get out information about etiquette to the American public. Yeah. She did it with a book. She did it with newspapers. Radio she then did show. it with a radio show, yeah. which made her really popular, most popular radio show in America at the time. So <laughs> we lived off of books for a long time as a major way. Yeah. We realized that, that training became a more important way for us to do it as the publishing industry tanked. Yeah. And now we recognize that the best way to disseminate our information is right through the Internet and, and through electronic means, digital communications. Yeah. And you and Dan have really forged us in that direction, made us go in that direction. It's great. Thank you, Dad. Well, I really thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm glad our audience is getting to know you a little bit. But I would love it if we get to some questions. Absolutely. So let's get to it. Okay. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is all about answering your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Dad, take us away. What's our first question? What have okay. you got for me? Sneaky kind guests. They're weird ones, aren't I they? I love your, your titles. <laughs> They're really fun. Hey, <laughs> Thanks, Dad. So the writer says, Dear Dan and Lizzie, I have a kind of nice problem to have. An old high school friend of mine has invited me to visit her during her 14-year-old's birthday celebration, a night at a fancy hotel. And they had already booked for her, her daughter, and her daughter's friend. 
She's an extremely generous person, and despite my efforts, I'm sure she'll not allow me to pay for part of the hotel room since they had booked it anyways, and I won't incur any extra costs for me joining them. I'm going to bring generous gifts for her and for her daughter, but I'd like to take care of dinner for us as well. Knowing her, I'm pretty sure she'll try to treat me for dinner. We're only there for dinner, and breakfast is inexpensive in comparison. Would it be all right for me to discreetly try to sneak payment to the restaurant after the meal, but before she has a chance to pay? Or should I try to tell her in advance, I'd really like to treat everyone for dinner, knowing that she's likely to prevent this from happening? Thanks. A nice problem to have. <laughs> I know. You like, <laughs> I like her signature? I like her title. A nice problem to have. P.S. I really like your podcast. Keep them coming. Oh, well, thank you, because we get questions like yours, we can. Uh, this is super generous of your friend. It, it really um, and is. I love that our listener, a nice problem to have, is already thinking of ways to show her appreciation and, and thinking about the different moments in yeah. which she could show her appreciation. I think, you know, the fact that she's going to bring a gift for the mother yep. as a hostess gift yep. and a gift as a birthday gift for the daughter, that already is showing, you know, terrific forethought about what her obligation might be in this situation. Absolutely. You're already covering yourself, listener, by bringing a hostess gift for your friend. Absolutely. I feel like that kind of covers it. Like you said, this weekend was already planned. You're being asked to join along. These plans were already in motion. It's not all being created for you. That's and right. I just I, I feel agree. like that covers she, it. She's she's covered it perfectly with the gifts. Yeah. Those are those are more than enough for her to then be able to come and enjoy the weekend because really it's the mother setting this up for the daughter. So I picture these these four women are going to go to this dinner together. The hotel is fancy and nice and the dinner is going to be fancy and nice, but it sounds like that dinner is fairly special. So I w- this is not the meal I would choose to try and pay for. I no, would not no. do it that this is the special moment. I agree this because this is for her daughter. Let her do that for her daughter. That's that's the the way I see it. What do you think about the trying to offer for breakfast? And I loved the line of it's an it's a more inexpensive meal. I have never found that breakfasts at hotels are inexpensive. <laughs> I'm like, they're eggs. Right. Like, how can they be thirty dollars? <laughs> I think really there's an awkwardness involved in trying to say, Oh, but let me pay for something on this your your daughter's weekend that you're setting up for yeah. her. And so I have that same hesitation about even doing it for breakfast that I do certainly for the dinner. I think she's more than done enough with the two gifts. With the two gifts. I was thinking that, so you've got this other friend who's going to be there too, that our listener does not know. I'm assuming doesn't Mm -hmm. know, but it's the daughter's best friend and she's along for the celebration as well. And I was thinking that maybe if you felt like the gifts weren't quite enough, that maybe what you could do is try to arrange for like, uh, if you guys are into this, maybe you're not into this, but arrange for like a mani-pedi or some kind of little spa thing. I love those ideas. Or maybe even it's that you bring nail polish and stuff so that you can all have kind of a girls' night in the room doing those things together. And, And that's if those are the things you're into. If it's something else, bring something, maybe a board game or, or like something it. like that. And it's, it's, that's it's something, inclusive. It's inclusive of all the people, yeah. and it's a little something extra that wasn't on the on the menu that you're going to take away from the mother. Right, exactly. And I, I like the fact, too, that clearly our listeners looking for that way beyond the gifts to contribute to the weekend, and I think that could be a really nice nice way to go. And maybe it's just bringing a great movie that they all watch together. It, just something all to share things. everybody yeah. together. There's just one other thing that I want to touch on briefly. Yeah, what do you think? And that is that if she decides not to take her advice and oh, goes okay. ahead and wants to try to pay for the, the meal, yeah. okay, the time to bring that up with the mother is at the time of the ask, well before the event. Don't do it when the check arrives and try to sneak off and pay it. That's not the time to do it. Any time that you've got that kind of an invitation going and you want to do something special for the person who's doing the event, yeah. Do it at the time of the ask, not at the time that the actual event's going on. And we give this advice in our business etiquette seminars. We give this advice when it comes for dating. We give this advice even when you choose to invite a friend and it's it's a little bit of a different invite rather than, hey, want to go grab a burger. And I think that it's really important to note that the awkwardness will come if you're trying to fight over the check at the table or if you just automatically assume it's okay for you to take care of the check. Absolutely. So. 
we understand that you probably won't be doing that on this round because, as we said, that birthday dinner is covered by the mom, and that's a special thing. We don't think you should offer to pay for that. But in future situations, if sure. you were going to offer to pay for something at yeah. the time of the asking, yeah. and good advice. Every now and then, somebody doesn't take our advice and jumps in anyway. This is one idea of how to deal with it if you chose what to do, do you that. Mean people don't take our advice. We're not right all the time, Dad. Goodness. <laughs> Oh, well, a nice problem to have. We hope that this is truly a nice problem for you and that when you have this weekend with your friend and her daughter and the daughter's friend that you all have a wonderful time celebrating together. What a great trip. Yep. Our next question is titled Just Say No, and I think many people out there are going to identify with this one. Absolutely. This is this happens lots. This happens. Dear Awesome Etiquette, my husband and I are childless and we have some friends with small children. Most of our circle of friends gets together and gets a sitter if it's a nighttime event or when it's an adult group gathering. We do have one set of friends that have been causing me stress, however. They have two small children that they bring with them to every event. Oftentimes they will inquire if we want to go out for drinks, but what they really mean is that they want to bring their children to our home and have drinks there. I feel they have invited themselves to our home many times. Due to financial limitations, they usually want to go to our home instead of going out. And they also like to come over and spend time together with huge frequency. This isn't like once in a while. This is like every weekend. I have tried to speak to them about having adult-only time and mentioning that we are occupied with other plans at times. But they seem to persist with inviting themselves over or asking multiple times a weekend for the whole family to come over and spend time. I'm not sure how to deal with this situation, but after my hectic work schedule, as well as my husband's and both of our commutes, it feels like we're being made to feel guilty for having our own lives and group of friends. I like this couple and their children, but I'm looking for help here in how to set boundaries and let them know when their children are or are not invited. Sincerely, exhausted and over-socialized. Wow. What what a... What? A classic problem. People and, bringing their kids to parties that are adult parties. I know. And I don't get how you get to be that person who thinks it's okay to invite yourself over to someone's house all the time and to then constantly bring your kids when you've been told it's an adult-only event. Yeah. I trust in, in, in the general goodness of people and don't believe that it is an intentional effort to be really annoying. Okay? No, I don't think it's intentional. Um, I think they don't see it and don't understand it, but that doesn't change the fact that it's happening. And now I think exhausted and over-socialized really is going to have to deal with it. And in dealing with it, it may may end up causing a little bit of hurt feelings, but that's going to be better than continuing the way they're continuing. I agree. And and just to be clear, one of the things that I always find fascinating is this idea that hosts are supposed to be making guests feel comfortable and guests are supposed to be respecting hosts' home and position. And It's amazing how when those two things are working well, it's like the most beautiful thing on earth. And then when they're not, it feels so incredibly wrong. I read a story on our Facebook page about someone saying, it's my birthday party. And if you don't like the food here, forget you. And it was like food that all the guests were allergic to. And you just wonder, where is that line? But as a host, you have every right not to entertain someone's self-imposed invitation. Exactly. Just because somebody says, I want to come over, doesn't mean you have to say, oh, yes, please do. Exactly. You can say, no, this is not an appropriate time. Yeah. Do you want to keep this friendship? It seems like they do. They've listed some nice things about the, the couple and their kids saying, you know, we, we like these people. We enjoy them, but we don't enjoy them this much. And so if you didn't want to keep the friendship, I would say you just keep saying no until they stop reaching out. But if you want to keep this friendship, this is going to have to be a little bit delicate. And I think that our listener probably needs advice for in the moment when there, you know, some sample scripts for when the different types of situations arise. I agree. And one of the problems that our listener is dealing with is that they often suggest going to the listener's house all the time. So they're imposing the invitation on the on the host and saying, you know, no, let's get together. Oh, no, let's not go out for drinks. Let's just meet up at your place. I love your house. <laughs> what do you do oh, then? You know, when you suggest going out and they say, hey, let's go to your place, the best way to respond is, I'm not in a place to entertain tonight. But if that's not going to work, Maybe we should try this another time. Right. Exactly. Say kind of you leave it as going out as the only option for getting together tonight. And you can set that boundary. It's okay. So trickier still is when you're inviting them to an adults only dinner. And 
it's really okay to spell that out and then give some direction beyond it. And I was thinking that, tell me if this would work. Okay, okay. Go ahead. So tonight's going to be just the adults. Let me know if you can get a sitter and join us. Exactly. You know, spell it out. No doubt about it. You get a sitter. You can join us. You don't have a sitter. You can't, you join, can't us. join us. This is the, the, what's implied there. But it's funny because we often give the advice. It's okay to to say it's just the adults tonight. But I think these people need that extra direction of being really clear. Like, so get a sitter if you can join. You know, right? That, and, it's like you push it a little further without like getting into rude territory. I think. So Lizzie, yeah. There's just one small problem here. What? And that is, what happens if they show up with the kids anyway? What do you do? Oh, first of all, I definitely curb all of the the frustration in my head because so you've got a family now on your doorstep at an adults only party. In the moment, you do not make those kids feel bad for showing up at the house. You, do, you, don't, you don't shut the door on the their door face. in their face. No, no, okay. Not at all. I would set the kids up with whatever I could. So I would say set up a movie. Hopefully maybe the kids have brought some things with them or the parents have some things. I know the families I babysit for always have toys in the car and things like that. So hopefully they've come with something. But I would say set up the kids with whatever you can on hand to make them happy and comfortable. Enjoy your evening with your guests. And then the next day, you need to have the, the friendship conversation right. of this isn't going well. And yeah. how? what do you think you would say? You and mom have dealt with yeah. this, I'm sure. First, or maybe maybe you were the ones who were told. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we've heard about this, certainly. And I think I think you have to address it. Okay. Well, you don't address it in the moment. That's yeah. not the time. But the next day, you say, listen, I need to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Can we get together and talk for a few minutes? Yeah. And what you say is, John... Kathy, this isn't working for us. If the kids really do have to come, then I think it's best simply to take a pass. And we'll understand if that's the case. We'll get together next time, We really don't want to have that situation happen again. So thanks very much for understanding. Yeah. Tough conversations are never easy, and there's always going to be that slight element of them that isn't isn't perfect. You are disappointing someone else. They've disappointed you, and you have to communicate that somehow. Absolutely, and I think one of the things that's important in that is the tone of voice is important. Yeah. And the tone of voice can either sound angry, which is a mistake, yeah. or it can sound concerned and interested in trying to build, or build with them, to, to be understanding. And so if you have an understanding tone of voice, it's very different than if you do it with an angry tone of voice. An angry tone of this is working for us, you know, if the kids really do have to come. I think it's better if you take a pass. That's not the tone of voice to use no, here. No, Same no. words, two different ways to say it. And I think you want to be careful, too, about being either too serious or too casual about it. Clearly, they keep crossing this line with you. So I think it has to have a certain level of, guys, this really isn't working for us. But I think if you go too serious with it, it it almost verges on anger quickly. And so practice with with your partner, um, you know, see if the delivery sounds okay before you actually do it. But I do think that that saying, you know, hey, if you can't find a sitter, then this isn't the night to just bring them along. And we would appreciate it if you don't do that in the future. Exactly. Because we love getting together with you and there will be plenty of times when we can do kid-friendly nights together. That's the other thing is you want to make sure that this family knows that those kids are welcome. You said in the message, you in Enjoy the kids. They're nice kids. Just not all the time. Just not all the time. And that's okay. Most parents will understand that. Boy, exhausted and over-socialized, we hope that we've given you multiple avenues for the very different ways that this couple seems to find a way to force you into hosting and hosting the whole family. Good luck. I'm, I Use the words, be gentle and be considerate in the way you do it, and the situation will resolve. Absolutely. Okay. Another question. Yeah. Decaf or regular? This question comes from Peter on Facebook, not me. Not you. You're not on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) What is the etiquette around decaffeinated versus regular coffee at a dinner party or for breakfast when guests are staying over? Should the host have both? Or is it the guest responsibility to bring regular coffee if the host only drinks decaffeinated? Signed, PF. It makes a difference to people who drink caffeine regularly and and are expecting that caffeine in the morning. And I'm not saying they should have the expectation on the host. But I do think that when you're served something that you think isn't isn't going to give you a headache later in the day and you have that headache, it's an issue. Sure caffeine is. withdrawal is a real thing. And the difference between caffeine and decaf does make a difference in either keeping you awake or not. Yeah. And it's important to make sure you guests know what they're receiving. But I think that 
when it comes to being a host, you always want to put your guest comfort at the top of your to-do list. I personally would have three different offerings on hand. I would have uh, caffeinated, I would have decaf, and I would have tea of both varieties as well. You could have some nice herbal teas as well as some caffeinated darker teas. And I think that that would be really wonderful. I also just want to say I love the the reemergence of serving coffee after dinner. I was talking with the gals on the Gatherings podcast last night, and I said, do you guys do this? We're going to be doing this question on the show. Do you serve coffee or tea? And one of the girls, I think her family's Scottish, and she said, you know, maybe it's just my Scottish grandmother, but as soon as you walk in the door, you're offered a cup of tea. And this is a little different. This is after dinner, but she says she always offers coffee after dinner. I see coffee offered as well as I see tea being offered almost all the time. Yeah. That really – and it's a really nice tradition. I like the idea of having some coffee or or at least being able to offer something. I think at a dinner, it's probably most appropriate to – prepare decaffeinated coffee if you're going to create a pot and tell people at the table, listen, this is decaf. If somebody liked caffeinated coffee, I'd be glad to to put that together for you. Perfect. And I think that would take care of it. And who would like some tea if they don't want to have coffee? I love it. There you go. Interesting fact. I searched our 19th edition for this (laughs) very question because, you know, not all the answers can be stored in the brain. And I checked the book and we don't specify whether you should serve regular or decaf. We talk all about how to actually serve uh, coffee after dinner and the different ways you would encounter coffee being served after dinner. But we don't talk about which type of coffee to serve. So mental note for the 20th edition. 20th edition. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Lizzie, why don't you tell us what Sweet Sympathy had to say? Ah, Sweet Sympathy. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I am a high school senior and only recently discovered your podcast. I have been binge listening to it for a few weeks now, and I'm extremely grateful to have some entertaining and educational listening material while I am driving. My question is not very time sensitive, but I am sure that I will need an answer to it sometime in the future. Earlier this year, my former French teacher passed away unexpectedly. I am so sorry. I was rather close with this teacher, but due to our teacher-student relationship, I had no close relationship with any of her extended family. After her passing, I wanted to reach out to her family to explain what a wonderful positive impact that this teacher had on my life. However, I hesitated and ended up refraining from contacting any family members because I did not know if this was appropriate or polite. Would this family appreciate my words of praise for their deceased matriarch or feel offended at my assumption that they would want to hear from me? I did not want to get in the way of something so personal as a mourning process. My question is, what is the protocol for situations like this, where you are rather close to someone who has passed away but do not know the people who they've left behind? Thank you so much for your wonderful podcast and all of the thoughtfulness and consideration that you put into every answer. Sincerely, Jenny. Jenny, I love that as a teen, you are already so acutely aware of the different perspectives that come into play here. Unreal, it's just right? fabulous. People give the millennial generation so much crud and they are so aware of other people. It's it's an amazing – I'm really very excited and I'm very excited we have such a good teen base. I, I agree and, and the only thing I can think of here is, is that sometimes um, – we tend to overthink a situation. We become so concerned with everybody that we become paralyzed. And in this case, I think that may be the case. I agree. And I think that, you know, Jenny's right to be thinking about the mourning process and the grieving process. It can be a little different for everyone. We had a question a few weeks ago where someone was very gun-shy about reaching out to give condolences long after someone had passed away, but they discovered a few years later she had had just a really difficult moment where she had given condolences six months after someone passed and the woman just got angry with her for bringing it all up again. And it was such a rare instance, but they do happen. Most people are going to be pretty okay with hearing about how their loved one is remembered. Absolutely. And, And the fact of the matter is that wakes and funerals and those things are publicized in a paper yes, because they want to make sure that all of those people, people they might, the family may not even realize had been affected by this person, yeah. have the opportunity to know about the situation, to realize what has happened and to be able to express their own appreciation for that person's part 
in their life. It's like a community grieving. Yeah. Um, you know, you might never know that that person, you know, stopped at the coffee shop or the gas station and talked to that that teller, that that clerk every single day, and they really had a great rapport and will be missed. And it's important for both parties to get to hear about that and express that and experience that. So I just want to say it is perfectly appropriate, and it'll probably be very appreciated. There's a very slim chance that, that you might hit the, hit the wrong person on the wrong day, but that's not exactly the point in this. The point is really to express your gratitude for your French teacher and reach out to the family and say how much you miss her. And that's really okay to do. So whenever you make that opportunity to reach out, even even if it's months from now, it's something as heartfelt as, you know, Miss Kelson really meant a lot to me. I miss her and, and I hope you're all comforted and supported at this time. Yeah, it's it's just the simple expression. Yeah. Oh, Jenny, we hope you feel confident when you take the time to write this note. Dad, give us our next question. I'm I'm seeding these, all these hotly debated things at the Institute. Yes, this does bring up an issue that that Lizzie and I have had a little bit of a disagreement on, but um, let's let's see how it plays out. See how it plays out? (laughs) Yeah. We're both a little cheeky today. This is called Pits of the Pits. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. First of all, congratulations to Dan and his wife on the birth of their daughter. Yay. My question relates to the proper way to eat olives with pits in a business or social situation. There's a local restaurant that serves the best salad nichoise, and I often order it when visiting with friends and family over lunch. This involves eating olives that often have pits. I've often wondered what is the proper way to eat an olive with a pit in a social situation. Do you spit the olive pit into your napkin and extract it that way? Do you spit the olive pit in your hand and place it on your plate? Do you not eat the olives at all? (laughs) Avoidance. (laughs) Finally, I often have business luncheons and am faced with the same dilemma. I might not order a dish if it presents an olive problem, but I wonder if there's a polite way I can extract an olive pit and still enjoy the tasty salad while keeping my dignity. Thanks for all you do and for helping us all remain civil. Eric. So I specifically chose this question because I think some of the advice is absurd, but dad doesn't think it's so absurd. And Aunt Cindy used to think it was absurd too, and then she tried it and she doesn't think it's so absurd And there is the point. Before you think something is absurd, you might want to actually try it and see whether or not it works. (laughs) I have my reasonings and we have come to our compromise on this issue, but we can both agree that the very main point of this piece of etiquette is that when dining, you want to avoid grossing out your companions. And if you are any form of food that has already been in your mouth and, and chewed or or the meat has come off of it, whatever it is, be a bone or pit or whatever, that it is gross to see that come back out of your mouth. So we have to figure out how to make this not gross for the other people, right? Absolutely. And and probably more than anything else, it's discretion is the key here. Yes. You want to do something with as little drawing attention to yourself as possible. Yeah. So tell us, what, what do you never do? Okay. You never spit the pit directly into your napkin. Why not? Because if you do that, My now you've secret. got that silly little pit sitting in your napkin. And the next time you pick the napkin up to wipe your face, the pit drops into your lap. You forget not about it. Not good. You forget about it. That's okay. not a good solution. What you want to do is really one of two things now. Okay. And this is our compromise. Okay. Use your napkin or your fingers just quickly to Let's screen your, your face a little bit and cover your mouth with it with your hand or your napkin and then remove the pit with your fingers. Just take the right out of your mouth with the fingers. That's Lizzie's That's hands are up in, in my view. score. It's okay? discreet. It's quick. Yeah. You get a lot of control with your fingers on the pit. True. It is holding on to chewed up food. However, <laughs> in our books, yeah. for years... We have described the possibility that if something goes into your mouth with a utensil like a fork or spoon, then it ought to come out on the fork or spoon. And you do the same thing with it. You bring your hand that's not holding the fork up just in front of your mouth, just gently. Bring up the fork and gently push. Don't spit. Push the pit onto the fork and drop both down and and then put the pit onto the side of your plate. And that works. Funny enough, as Cindy said, she'd never done it. And then one day she said, I'm going to figure out if this works or not. And she sat there and she tried it a few times in the privacy of her own kitchen. And she suddenly discovered it was a lot easier to do than she thought. So either way works. And, and really at this point, our advice is what you want to do is as unobtrusively as possible, remove whatever it is in your mouth, put it on the side of your plate. 
that'll take care of it. Wait, hold on. But hold on. I just I need to just express my my side of this for half a second. It's for me it's it's the covering that became the important the compromising thing because I couldn't handle the idea of raising my fork to my mouth which draws attention to your mouth and then I'm spitting a little bit gently because the thing is round so it's going to roll. Like it just to me it made it sounded okay. so complex and I love the fact that we've now said listen, however you can discreetly do this, do it. But it is okay to leave those pits on the side of your plate. A lot of people worry that it's not okay. And that is okay, especially when it's a pit. It's a part of the Niçoise salad. It's a part of exactly. a Greek salad, things like that. It's expected. Um, but this isn't the only thing that sometimes is gross about eating at the table. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and and with a pit that's unobtrusive, not going to be a problem if it's sitting on the side of your plate, great. Put it there. But if you have that gross piece of gristly, fatty meat in your mouth that you just can't swallow, that you've taken a bite of and you've chewed a little bit and yeah. you go, I don't want this, taking it out of your mouth, whether it's on the fork or with your fingers and putting it on the side of your plate is going to really be gross for everybody who has to sit there and look at that thing <laughs> on the side of your plate. And really, you can't just put it in your napkin. Sorry, that doesn't work for the no. same reason. It's yeah. going to fall in your lap. Yeah. When you have that kind of a thing that's just not going to work to have it on the side of your plate, simply get up, leave the table, go to the restroom, spit it out, and come back. Well, don't just simply like quickly remove yourself as if you have some emergency, yeah. but do do the you know cover your mouth and say mm, one second back in a minute. You give you give kind of like yep. the one finger up. You know, give me a sure. second. And excuse yourself. You can even gesture to the bathroom, go and spit yep. it out. Yeah. But most important, take it to the bathroom, get rid of it there. Yeah. And that way nobody has to be grossed out by the look of this disgusting thing that's sitting on the side of your plate. Dad, what do you do when you get back to the table? Because you've now made this somewhat awkward exit. I mean, you're like... Mm -hmm. You can even come back to the table and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I just had something I had to get rid of out of my mouth. I'm yeah, I'm sorry. That bite wasn't going down. Right. And that's all. You, no more than that. Don't make a big deal out yep. of it. Continue on with the conversation. It is funny how you do get some very awkward moments at the dinner table. <laughs> Eric, we hope that this helps you know what to do the next time you order this incredibly amazing salad niçoise. Most importantly, Eric, order it. Don't be scared of the food that you're going to eat. Don't avoid They're, the foods with olives. <laughs> this is The food with olives is great. You can take that pit out with your finger or with your, your fork, put your hand up in front of your mouth, take yeah. it out with the other hand and put it down on the side of the plate. Everybody expects you to do that. Nobody would want you to swallow it. You'll be just fine and enjoy that salad niçoise because I like it too. <laughs> Betty hopes that she doesn't look as awkward as she feels. Now our hostess feels better about the olives. But right away, she sees something else. Dad, thank you so much for helping me answer our listener questions. You're so welcome, and I have really enjoyed it. So I, I would like your listeners to feel totally okay. Send your updates. Send your comments to us. Awesome etiquette at emilypost.com. That's the address. Leave a message with us at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so we know you want us to use your question on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions that we answer and the topics that we cover, especially when they involve suggestions for ways to handle things. I love this. What I love is that we can't possibly give all the all of the advice for a question. We can get pretty close. But what I love is that our listeners send in suggestions or things that have worked for them in the past. And it, I think it makes so much sense. They are not the only way to do something, but they're just another option. And Maureen called in with a thought. We actually had another listener as well post this to Facebook. They, they both had the same idea. But in episode 129, we discussed how to handle the shoes off issue when uh, you have a medical reason for needing your shoes on. So we deal with shoes on, shoes off all the time, Dad. You know this hotly debated topic. And what happens when you then have a medical reason for needing your shoes to stay on and you're now the person at the party with their shoes on and everyone's kind of like, what's going on with you? And you don't want to explain your medical reason. And it's, it's complicated, right? It's right. not the easiest thing. And I loved that Maureen called in with a thought that, that kind of levels the playing field on all sides. Let's hear what Maureen had to say. Hi, this is Maureen from Oregon. I live in a beautiful tourist town. We, besides having world-class skiing, we also are 
sort of known as Palm Springs of the North. And this town is growing like a weed. So we have a lot of new houses and a huge amount of retirement population that is wealthy. So we have really nice houses that we can walk through all the time. And they give us booties. I plan to build one of these nice houses in the next couple of years, and I plan to have my house be shoe-free so that even someone who's never been requested to remove their shoes before in their entire life will hopefully feel okay about this because at one point I had like 30 pairs of packaged in plastic slippers from travel because I would simply bring them home from nice hotels. And so someone could have a brand new pair that they can take home. But my fallback, if someone absolutely wants to keep their shoes on, is wearing these little booties that the people wear in the hospital. We are so used to this around here. We can wear flip-flops or bare feet and booties. So it's just part of our life around here. If we want to go look at houses, we just sit down and stick the booties on. So I just think that's a great way to go. People can just put them on over high-heeled shoes, any kind of shoes. They're big. They have elastic. They're ugly. But everybody's ugly at the same time, so that doesn't matter. Thanks a lot. I love your podcast. I love the idea of we can all be ugly together. Like, you know, because they're not attractive, but if you're all wearing them, who cares? Right. I, that, I understand <laughs> that, that approach. I just... Um, you know, we we live in Vermont. Yes. And wintertime in Vermont in particular uh, brings this very issue up. Yeah. You, you know, we know that. And I actually really like what my wife, Trisha has done about this. Mom's so good. She, she, really, <laughs> she, she really is the consummate etiquette person and understands both sides of the issue. Yeah. And she simply travels with a pair of indoor shoes with her whenever she goes out. Yeah. And when she arrives, she takes off her shoes, whether she's asked to or not, and puts the, in, the, indoor, the indoor shoes yeah. on. And it's a it's a perfect solution. It deals with the issue of people who are worried, well, I don't want to put socks on that somebody else has been wearing or slippers, slippers on somebody yeah. else has been wearing. And it's, it, it's the mark of the most amount of consideration you could have because she is forethought thinking of the other people in their home and taking care of it nicely. Simple way to deal with it. And what I love is that – so let's say mom brings her indoor shoes and she's wearing them at a party where all these other people are in slippers or booties or this or that. And someone says, so how come you get to keep your shoes on? And what she gets to say is, I bring indoor shoes with me everywhere so that I can wear them inside. And that way you're not exposing your medical reason. You're not, um, you know, oh, I'm just special. You know, it's there's a reason. These shoes have never been outside, so I can wear them inside. And I, I know Kathy appreciates it. You know, you talk about the host or something like that. She's done this to such an extent that I now bring you my indoor shoes, shoes with me. If I come to somebody's house, I'll just bring, you know, a pair of loafers or whatever it might be. And they're not getting dirty outside, which is great. Right. And yet I've got them inside. And I can be comfortable wearing them inside. And, and yeah, it works. It's amazing how nicely it works when you just do it. I love it. <laughs> Our next piece of feedback comes from our dear friend, Werner, who I now think of as our German correspondent because he writes these fabulous emails, and I really enjoy hearing them. I can't always fit them into every episode as soon as he writes them, but um, he's always so thoughtful, and I feel like we really get a peek into German etiquette culture and how things are, are working over there. And my apologies because I cannot find the episode that this question uh, that he's referencing was in, but I do remember the question. It was about restaurants asking you to please indicate your time frame for a dinner reservation. So you make your reservation online and it says, okay, are you going to just have drinks or are you going to have food? Are you going to stay for 60 minutes, 90 minutes, or 120 minutes? And I thought this was ridiculous. And I said that this could never happen in Europe. And Werner wrote back with the following. During one of your recent episodes, you tackled the question of the listener who wrote in about limited time span restaurant reservations. As part of your answer, you, Lizzie, assumed that this would be impossible in Europe. Well, we go to – you've 
Italy, Dad. Like, right. you never have short dinners in Italy. Yeah, but Werner comes from Germany, and it might be different there than I'm, in I'm Italy. I'm learning, clearly, yeah. <laughs> if only that was true. As it happens, getting a table reserved for typically only 90 minutes is a new trend here in Europe as well, at least in several big cities in Germany like Munich, Berlin, or Frankfurt, and most likely, uh, likewise, in big cities of other European countries. Hmm. There are more and more restaurants that not only ask you when taking your reservation, whether you'll be eating or just drinking to decide whether to get you an actual table or just place you at the bar. They also ask how long you will be occupying the table and just tell you pretty much you're going to have 90 minutes or 120 minutes if you ask kindly. (laughs) If your chosen restaurant has a bar as well, they often will offer to move you there after you're done with your meal. Even several online reservation systems or forms are equipped either with an option to select the desired duration in the range of, say, 60 to 120 minutes, or they even just state your time frame. Sometimes they'll say something like, we will reserve your 6.30 p.m. table for someone else at 8 p.m. <laughs> so, like, you, really, you have an hour and a half before the other couple's coming in. Werner went on. At first, this seemed rather rude to me as well, but it is no more uncommon. You wouldn't find it in high-scale restaurants yet. But whether burger chain, Mexican cantina, or Italian restaurant, in an increasing amount of cases, you'll have to do some heavy convincing to keep your table for the whole night. Maybe the number of available tables just don't cover the demand. Getting a table for more than three persons without having thought of a timely reservation beforehand actually does prove increasingly challenging. Whatever the reason, I suspect that that trend's going to stick. I got to say, having worked at a number of restaurants, I understand the importance of turnover. However, as a patron, I am still going to say that I would feel rushed out the door. I would feel like it's basically like, thanks for your money. Goodbye. Get out. And I, I get that restaurants aren't like houses, but this just still doesn't feel right to me. I say this as a patron who also will often say, hey, guys, let's either order more food or get going. Like I'm a patron who's who's aware that this is something you shouldn't just linger without ordering anything. What I, do you think? I agree. And I, the other reason that I have a problem with this is that say I'm given a 90-minute time frame and I've got to be out of there and their kitchen is slow getting food out. And now I'm arriving at my 90-minute time frame and I've barely received my, my main course. It may not be your fault that. Yeah. that this has happened. And yet they're now being frustrated with you because they want you out of there in that 90-minute time frame. Wait, I, but that's assuming. We don't know that they actually do that in that situation. What if What if when that happens, you do get granted more time? I mean, that could, I'm curious. Werner, we need you to tell us. What do they do if, if they mess up and it's going to take longer than the 60 minutes that you've been allotted? Yeah. Yeah, I'm think? I'm just uncomfortable with the whole idea. Yeah. Um, my probable reaction would be that if somebody told me that, um, that if I arrived at the restaurant, that'd be, you know, maybe I would eat there, but that might be the last time I would choose to eat at that restaurant. Have you ever been to a restaurant where they've come up and said, um, you know, we've so enjoyed having you, but I do need to let you know we have a reservation for this table coming in at eight. I've had that happen before. And even that felt uncomfortable to I've me. I've never had that And yet happen. at the same time, it was understandable because we were like a five third we were very early in the evening reservation you know and they just weren't expecting for the table to be held for two and a half hours and that's where i think you say you know would you like to come take a seat at the bar or you get invited to another experience another portion of the restaurant and he did say that they do that that they ask you to move to the bar i think that that makes sense to me um let let me put put it different ways i think about the answer here if I'm in the middle of eating my food when my 90 minutes is up, I'm bothered by this idea. Well, yeah. But I can appreciate a restaurant being antsy to get people who have finished their meal and they're just sitting back and just hanging out there yeah. to move to another location, perhaps by the bar or a place where it's a more informal part of the place. And I, and I can understand that. But that's different than having a reservation system that says you've got 90 minutes. Yeah, I think and so too. And I'm really bothered by that. You've yeah. got 90 minutes or you've got 120 minutes and then you've got to be out of here or else. Yeah. Or else? Thank but you very much. I don't know much. that they're actually saying or else. I think we're putting <laughs> that on there because Werner did say that, that after that, you're often requested to move to the bar, I think. Yeah. And so 
I think they're finding their way with it. But this was really interesting to me. And I was really glad to have you on to talk about this piece of feedback because you do travel to Italy quite frequently. Not so much other parts of Europe, but you at least experience one country in Europe a lot, a couple times a year usually. And that to me says like, you know, how's it going over there? I'd be curious on this trip that you and Anna and Matt um, are all going on if you encounter this at all. Have you ever encountered it? I've never encountered it. Okay. So this was like a complete, it was like a whoa to me. Really? Wow. That would not go, that would not sit well with me. Well, Werner, thank you so much, our German correspondent, for keeping us up to date on what's happening over in Europe and to not be surprised by this growing trend. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. We want to know more. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It is now time for our Postscript segment. I must correct myself, too. Our Postscript was named actually by one of our listeners who, who thought it was really cute. And I loved it because it was then the name of your company. So I was really stoked. And today, straight out of your book, Essential Manners for Couples, which was the follow-up to Essential Manners for Men, the bestseller we were talking about earlier, my father has a wonderful section for couples on the power of surprises. The power of surprises comes from a chapter in the book called Leisure Time, <laughs> which may well be my favorite chapter. Really? Why? Um, it really talks about how we interact with our significant other just in the things that we do together that we can do to make our lives that much more enjoyable with each other. For instance, it talks about the importance of doing things together. And then it says the importance of doing things alone, recognizing that there are times in a couple relationship where you want to do things together, but you also do things alone. And then a section called the importance of doing things together alone, which I really like the idea that, you know, every now and then it's really important for just the two of you to be doing something together. And you have special places that you go to, and it talks about date nights and the idea of the value of a date night. And that doesn't matter whether you have kids or not. This isn't about getting away from the kids. This is also about getting away from the social life, the work life, the family beyond that. You know, your own parents might be around a lot. And it's a structured time for you to be focused on each other. And that date night idea really makes sense to me. So with that... It also came up with this idea of the power of surprises. Yeah. So let me read to you. Etiquette is about enhancing relationships. That, by the way, is one of my very favorite lines because etiquette is about relationships. It is. That idea that etiquette is about relationships is so important for all of the listeners to understand. We talk about manners. We talk about rules or guidelines and all of the little things that we can do. But at the bottom, at what's most important of it all, it's that all of these things help us build better relationships. And anything you choose to do to do that, that's important. So that's my favorite sentence. I was going to say apple doesn't far fall from the yeah. tree, does it? <laughs> They've heard me say that so many times on this show. Good. That's great. <laughs> Etiquette is about enhancing relationships. The status quo of a good relationship is always comforting. But every now and then, A pleasant curveball is in order. (laughs) Surprises come in all sorts of forms. They can be a gift, large or small. They can come on a special day, a birthday, an anniversary, or or a holiday time. These types of gifts are somewhat expected, although the largesse of the gift can still make it a surprise. A new speaker system. This is awesome. (laughs) Or diamond earrings. (laughs) I really wasn't expecting them. A plasma TV. Need I say more? Of course, a surprise gift doesn't have to coincide with any particular day, nor does it have to be pricey. The present could be something as simple as flowers or a pint of Ben & Jerry's ice cream. Doug told me how he stopped to get groceries one night on the way home from work and discovered that his grocery store discount card had accumulated enough points to earn a greeting card, a free one. So he took a moment to read the cards, the ones with general messages, not birthday cards, and he found one he liked. And he took it home, and instead of simply handing it to his wife as they emptied the grocery bags, he signed it and placed it on her pillow. Good move. (laughs) More than once, I've come home to the sounds of my wife cooking up a storm in the kitchen. Candles are on the dining room table, and it's been set with nice plates and glasses instead of everyday stuff. And soon she calls me to dinner, and what a dinner! It might be veal scallopini with asparagus and noodles. Or maybe she's made a wonderful warming butter and squash soup. It's such a simple surprise, really, but... Boy, does it make me feel wonderful. Whether the surprise is big or small, the fun lies in planning it and carrying it out 
and then seeing the reaction. There's nothing better than knowing you've made the day just a little brighter for the person who matters most to you. Okay, so <laughs> secret father-daughter planning session. What are you going to do for mom next? I don't know. Um, you know, and, and the reason that I don't know is, is it's not something that I plan way ahead. Right. It's, it's something that, that happens in the moment. You see something, something makes sense to you, and you say, whoa, wait a second. I could do that, and that would really make a difference. It, it, it's simple little things. Uh, yesterday morning I came out and I found a few dishes still hanging out in the kitchen that needed to be cleaned, right? So – I cleaned them. You're trying to take credit for cleaning the dishes right now. That is not the surprise, Dad. That is not the surprise. Oh, I thought Come it was. Come a- <laughs> on. I'm talking like mom loves flowers. I think anytime you bring flowers home to her, that's when yeah. she really like goes and- big. And just so you know, my dad loves food. So anytime my mom is cooking that veal scallopini or something like that, that's the way that she reaches you with surprises. She chooses to do f- food as a surprise quite often. That's like something she loves. She'll do food as a surprise. I'll do food as a surprise. Yes. You know, I'll end up cooking dinner one night instead and bring home the fixings for it. I know she loves it when you do the handmade meatball. My dad makes excellent meatballs, and I know she loves it anytime you've kind of gotten inspired to do that one. You know, and it's not just about food. For us, There's food's certainly an important part of it. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think it's, it's the idea of just simply making an effort ahead of time in your own mind that, gee, that would be a really nice thing to do. I've read about people who simply put a post-it note on a refrigerator door as they leave for the morning mm-hmm. saying, I love you. Yeah. Perfect type of a thing to do. You know, post-it notes, by the way, are perfect ways to communicate little messages. Um, <laughs> Just so you know, my dad once put a post-it on my dog and sent him into my office and it said, want to grab lunch. Big fan of the post-it notes, my father. <laughs> so I just I just think that this power of surprises is important yeah. and it's important in a relationship. And it's it's the surprise. It's the doing something that's unexpected yeah. that makes a person just suddenly feel warm towards you. That's a great thing. But it's not just the unexpectedness of it. It's the thought, too, because all the examples that you were giving of of you and mom were things that you knew the other person would appreciate. You know, Um, the flowers aren't really your thing, but you know that mom loves them. You know what I mean? And I think that making sure that whatever it is that you do, be it large or small, it's that moment where the other person is going to feel like, wow, so like you thought of me and you really thought of me in this situation. And I think that that really gets at the heart of it. And boy, I bet it keeps the spark alive. Yeah, it does. And, I, you know, I really like the idea of what Doug did. Yeah. That was just finding a card and just instead of just handing it to the person, put it on the pillow. A little surprise. It's a little surprise. Yeah. And it's nothing more than that. That was such it's such the perfect example of what the power of a surprise is. Yeah. And like me, single gal over here, those surprises can go to family and friends too. <laughs> like if you don't have a partner, these are the kinds of things you can do for family and friends. Yeah. Lizzie pulled a wonderful surprise <laughs> off on me. I was at a seminar um, on the day of my birthday. As I was introduced, the person who's doing the introduction said, his daughter, Lizzie, has sent a birthday card here <laughs> for him. It's his birthday, and so we want to wish him a happy birthday. And now all 70 of us, let's all sing happy birthday <laughs> to Peter. Thing. And I'm it was, sorry, Dad. you know, it was really, it was very cute. It was, it was, it just was warm. I felt really good from it. For the record, I didn't know they were going to sing you happy birthday at your event. It yeah. was really clever and exactly what it should be. It was really well appreciated. Oh, good. I'm so glad. So that is just a little, a little inspiration for the power of surprises and how they can really help to build the relationships in your life. We like to end our show on a high note. So we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world and that can come in so many forms. Margaret wrote to us about an exchange at a coffee shop. Admittedly, this is both nice and, as Margaret says, well, a little sad as well. (laughs) I know. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you for keeping the practice of etiquette that is awesome out front. Here is proof that regular listening to your podcast has results that will surprise the listener and practitioner as well. Today, I had placed an order at a local coffee shop, and the friendly barista, David, had a look of total surprise on his face after I ordered. He then thanked me for adding the word please to my order. David told me that it is noticeably rare to hear the word please tacked on to an order. 
I believe that I blushed at that point, and I hope I remembered to say you're welcome. But this experience was a happy one, and yet sad, in that saying please was an eventful moment rather than an everyday courtesy. Thank you for lighting the way. Sincerely, Margaret. And I just like the idea that I think the word please is being saluted in this salute. You know, they're magic words. They make magic happen. They are magic words. And Margaret even references to me the words that have been missing more than almost anything else. And that's the you're welcome. When we say please, we say thank you. And the other person turns around and goes, oh, no, thank you. In my opinion, all they're doing is trumping your thank you. What they want to do first is acknowledge your thank you. So when somebody says thank you to you, say to them, oh, you're so welcome and thank you too. That will work just fine. I love it. And please keep those pleases coming. Margaret, thank you so much for sharing this salute. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, Dan is at Daniel underscore post, and I am at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Don't forget to help us out. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and please consider leaving us a review. And our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Being agreeable, saying and doing things in a pleasant way, that's easy enough, and it does make a difference all day long.